Hi everyone, welcome to episode one of the University of Greenwich Sustainability podcast. If this is your first time listening, it's a podcast to discuss sustainability at the University of Greenwich and our wider lives. Hopefully with these short podcasts, we can provide a good starting point for you guys to delve into sustainability topics and hopefully engage with the wider sustainability team or eco team projects. So since it's our first episode, I thought I'd start off with introducing myself and some of the other speakers. My name is Ryan Wallace. I'm just a volunteer. With my day job, I work in events production, but I have a keen interest in sustainability. So I reached out to the sustainability team at the University of Greenwich with this idea and yeah, just want to be involved. So I'll be asking the questions today and uh, leading guys through this episode of the podcast. So um, the two speakers today are David and Neil. David, would you like to give yourself an introduction? Yep, thanks, Ryan. Um, hi, everyone. I'm David Jackson. I'm the University Sustainability Projects Officer. I've been in post now nearly six months. Um, I've been in the sustainable sector for about seven years now, um, ever since I graduated from university in 2012. Uh, I previously worked in the NHS for just over two and a half years and also a wildlife conservation charity and I'm just lucky enough to work in in the sector where it's where my passion lies as well. Hello everyone my name is Neil I'm currently the sustainability project assistant at the University of Greenwich and I'm the GSU officer for the year 2020 to 2021 and uh, I found my interest in sustainability about a year ago working in the sustainability unit at Greenwich and I've learned quite a lot over the past year. Great so um sort of a theme I wanted to continue through all the episodes is for each speaker or myself to sort of provide a fun environmental fact. So the world's oldest trees are more than 4,600 years old, which I thought was pretty crazy. So the topic of this episode will be the impact of lockdowns on the environment and our well-being. Um, Seeing as this podcast is being recorded in uh, April, the 15th to be exact, uh, coronavirus has forced a lot of us to um, be working from home and it's having a massive impact on the environment. So with profound impact of COVID-19 on internal and international travel, we've seen a huge effects on greenhouse emissions around the globe. According to the Carbon Brief, China have seen their CO2 emissions fall by a quarter. So David, what are the immediate effects of a reduction in CO2 and other emissions? So there's, so as you said, there's definitely some sort of short-term benefits, um, as you said, with China and, and likewise in the UK with the lockdown we've seen, you know, sort of road transport reduced by about 70% by the start of April. Now it's probably close to 90%. Um, that in itself could reduce carbon emissions by 24 million tonnes. So there's sort of impact of that is obviously CO2 and uh, NOx also from transport is a potent greenhouse gas. So you would think that that should be, you know, sort of lowering the levels of of emissions, not just countries, but around the world. Um, Last year, 72% of global emissions as estimated from the IPCC, which is the International Panel for Climate Change, they said that yeah, 72% of global emissions is attributed to um, sort of travel and transport. Um, so that is obviously you know sort of a short-term benefit, but it's kind of too early to read into those stages at the moment because you have 
some measures which are sort of counteracting that at least to some degree so obviously more people are staying at home so domestic energy use is going to be rising um my electricity consumption rose by about 200 kilowatts during the month of march so the so last month um you've got increase of waste and hospitals obviously increasing their rate of increase of patients and you've also got other factors so the economy and production decreasing which includes solar installations renewable energy conferences might get postponed obviously we've seen the cop 26 has been postponed which was for later on this year so there are sort of initial short-term benefits that we might be able to see but it's too early to say and it's only going to be sort of long term over the next few months and years to see whether that is going to change with people's behaviors as well fantastic have you got anything to add to that neil yeah i think um another another important uh, effect of the lockdown is food waste i think that uh, because everyone is bug buying and panic buying at the beginning particularly at the beginning of the uh the lockdown that we saw a lot of people just putting things in their baskets that probably didn't last as long so we ended up having a, within the next month or so just a lot of uh, increased waste because uh, not all the products would last as long so i think it's something to, to look that you know that affects the environment quite heavily and uh yeah that's it. oh great um so david you mentioned strain on healthcare systems um so obviously as healthcare systems are put under more strain the production of medical waste and disposable masks has skyrocketed in wuhan they're producing 200 tons of medical waste a day and while we understand that healthcare is of number one priority these products will still remain when the pandemic is over and sort of what is the environmental impact of uh, medical waste and what are some of the best practices to limit this damage yeah so that very good question and point that um obviously with increase of patients that is going to have an impact on hospital waste um with medical waste specifically it's normally split into two different types so you've got offensive waste which is non-infectious so it's all sanitary products and sanitary waste um, and then you've got clinical waste and that is the waste that's hazardous to health and the environment that includes all um infectious sort of bandages and uh, equipment and sort of fluids as well um there are different ways of treating that waste so one of them is sort of deep landfill which we know you know sort of landfill isn't the best way of, of dealing with waste um but some clinical waste is actually uh sort of turned into what i call sort of wet pellet power um so basically the clinical waste is sterilized and incinerated at really high temperatures it gets sort of crushed down into sort of pellet type um sort of forms and then that is used to power power stations so there is you know sort of some benefits that can come from the waste it's not just as soon as it's waste it just gets sort of put into landfill there are other options but in the times that it's now obviously all of that waste is guided by infectious control so whatever goes in each different waste stream whether it's recycling general waste clinical offensive that's all governed by infectious control and best practice uh, with the situation now you might have occasions where sort of a patient say might have been given a drink in a reusable cup but because of the increased risk now they're being given sort of disposable cups to avoid that potential infection spread uh, obviously you've got PPE as well 
loads of PPEs being used by staff that might have not used it pre-lockdown, but it's now being used now. So you've got an increased frequency of that. Um, so at the moment, it's kind of everyone's following best practice because that's what you've got to do to minimise the spread. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, it's sort of the things that we would do and organisations would do. So making sure that you do recycle what you can, you minimise the waste. Um, NHS England, for instance, I've seen that they're going to try and ban single-use plastics in their food outlets by April 2021, uh, which is, you know, a good step. Some mm-hmm. organisations are doing take-back schemes. So for PVC plastic equipment, for instance, which is sort of masks, tubing, IV solution bags, normally what you get from anaesthetic operations, that is sort of being taken back and then recycled. Um, and, you know, if you consider there's 8 million anaesthetic operations a year, the scope of that is massive in terms of waste, but also the potential for recycling. So, you know, sort of best practice is potentially more outside of the current situation because everything is you know sort of ramped up from fresh control measures but innovations are occurring and people are doing what they can great and do you have anything to add neil no i think david's covered it all particularly you know just recycling what we can uh that's not infectious waste i think that's really important fantastic so um so to bring this closer to home neil is there any areas of London or perhaps Greenwich that you think will benefit from a reduction in human activity? What ways can we maintain this when um, the lockdown is over? Yeah, well, I think anywhere in London that uh, has had a high level of air pollution before might see a great level of uh, reduction of this pollution. And I think that most of London will benefit because usually it's such a congested area given that it's such a densely populated place. So I think that seeing less cars in the road and more people being home definitely will, I don't know, see that those levels of pollution come down. Um, in terms of after the lockdown, I th- I'm not so sure that it's going to be possible to maintain this this level of uh, pollution, but be- because I think everyone would just want to get back to normal, sort of get back in their cars and get back to the, their day-to-day uh, tasks and stuff, which is quite understandable. So I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what the solution will be coming out of the lockdown uh, in terms of keeping levels down. Yes, yeah, still early, early days, isn't it? So Another quite difficult question is, as hard as it is to predict at this stage, what do you um, think are some of the long-term environmental impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic? So we talked about them more short-term. What do you think long-term in terms of the environment, David? Um, again, it's, yeah, you know, sort of at this stage, it's sort of impossible to say, but it, it all sort of depends on people's reactions. As as Neil said, you know, if if people sort of after lockdown understandably want want to go back to a pre-lockdown normal and you know sort of going out and using their cars or flying going on holiday being able to do things that they haven't done for the last couple of weeks um or however long it it might last but you know it's also if people can think about actually sort of during the lockdown they you know, they might have gone on more walks, they appreciated sort of going outside, they appreciated just sort of the added communication that you can do virtually, potentially over sort of face to face, then that might see a reduction, you know, sort of long term, potentially people might think, well, can I take a route through the park to go get my shopping rather than driving, rather than going into an event into London, could we, you know, sort of meet up in a park or do something, you know, sort of alternative that people might have done before. 
So it, it all sort of depends on people's behaviours. Um, and obviously with the carbon decreasing in many areas and the NOx decreasing as well, it also depends on what happens from the government perspective in trying to stimulate the economy. See, at the moment, fossil fuels is, at least in the past, has been used to stimulate the economy. And if that's sort of used again, then we might see an initial rise. So it's, you know, sort of care from both the government side, but also as individual actions for what we might see long term. Yeah, there's some really interesting points raised there. Uh, do you have anything to add, Neil? Yeah, I think um, David hit the nail, um, the nail on the hammer when he talks about, you know, the government. The government's uh, impact in terms of keeping the economy stable after the, the lockdown. I think that, you know, the policies that our government choose can really impact on our, on our environment heavily, particularly around if the, the airlines and whether or not they're going to be subsidizing them so that they can get back to normal. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's going to be important for the government to balance uh, the environmental impacts with directly subsidizing these uh, industries so that, um, you know, instead of probably sponsoring airlines to have empty flights going around, you know, would, would it probably be best to just directly subsidize employees and stuff so that they can uh, get, get money to support themselves during the lockdown? I think also after the um, after the lockdown, I think the a long-term effect, from, at least a long-term concern of mine, is whether there are going to be any social factors between the way people react um, relate to each other and the way people interact with each other now, because I find that, or I predict at least, that some people might be more hygiene conscious about the, when they're around people after the lockdown. So, you know, I think that could be something we can see people uh, maybe just adopting the namaste approach to saying hello to people as opposed to doing handshakes now, as, as, as often at least. And I'm, not, I'm not sure, but it could be something that possibly would happen. Yeah, I definitely think that's um, an interesting point and sort of leads well on to the next aspect of this um, episode and well-being so sustainability is not exclusively about the environment and it can be extended to our, our well-being many of us have found the sudden changes to routine and concerns um, about COVID-19 damaging to well-being what does well-being mean to you guys um, first I'll ask Neil and how has COVID-19 affected that well um, COVID-19 the rules to protect us against it are social distancing but I mean, humans, we're inherently social and we're just naturally friendly. So the social distancing rules sort of, it goes against our very nature and it can't be the best thing for everyone's well-being. So I think that in, well-being for me is the way, it's the way that we support and interact with each other. And I think that COVID-19 has had a significant impact on that in terms of changing that, that entire dynamic. So now it's just us and screens in front of a, a video calls and stuff with each other. So I think that um, particularly for those of us that live alone or that have been stuck far from our families, it's important that we stay virtually connected because that can have a really big impact on our uh, on our well-being of COVID-19. It's just that it's it's the social distancing that that is mm. the impact itself. Although it is a measure that we need to to have in place, it, we also need to recognise that social distancing in itself will have an impact on how like how everyone feels. Yeah, it's great that you mentioned that, David. Have you um had any other thoughts about? What does well-being mean to you and how has COVID-19 affected that? Um, I think I think Neil has sort of summarised it brilliantly. Um, from, you know, if you look at well-being and sustainability, it, they too are interlinked. So you can't be sort of truly sustainable if you're not sustainable for yourself as well. So, you know, you need to look after yourself physically, mentally or socially. And if you can't do that, then 
the other aspects of sustainability might not be as forthcoming as you know you, you do need to look after both of them together um yeah neil sort of highlighted it in terms of the sort of virtual contact and communication if if you can't physically see someone it's a case of realizing that technology and there are things out there that can help you still be connected to people without actually being able to physically see them um and it's a case of utilizing that as much as possible and realizing that the support networks that might have been there sort of physically are still there at least in some capacity virtually and it's sort of making sure that those are used mm. yeah that was what i was going to mention next actually um so you mentioned sort of a virtual virtual networks virtual support systems have you developed any new methods to maintain well-being maybe some details on that during this period neil one of the one of the best things that, that's really helped me for my well-being during the, the lockdown has been house party and just having you know the, the ability to chat with friends and play games with them online and you know speaking to people that you haven't spoken to in such a long time because now everyone's at home and we all have the chance to i don't know the time at least to speak to people you know that we haven't seen in a while and that's been really really helpful to make to connect connect with those old friends and stuff that's been really helpful for my well-being and um also i think ensuring that you know you get into a routine that could also help you to sort of be stable so ensuring that you know you you set you have set time just like you would in any any normal day when you're alternate the real world where you wake up you have your breakfast you get straight into work you take a break that sort of thing yeah. scheduling and that's been really helpful for me getting on track great so um yeah neil is there any sort of specific university systems you've been using um in terms of university Moodle's been really helpful. Our lectures have been, you know, making sure they upload videos and stuff on that. And there are forums on there that you can talk to people on. That's been helpful as well in terms of the academic side of things. Microsoft Teams, that's been a really interesting software to, to start using. So in case you can track, you can track all your progress and stuff with your friends. You can set up your own private team with them. That's been helpful. There's also like, um, if you have trouble with well-being and you want to use, um, for, get university resources, you can go to the big white wall, which will help with your mental, well, uh, mental health. And that's been particularly useful because you can uh, do all sorts of creative or have all sorts of creative me methods and approaches to, you know, expressing yourself on there. So that's been particularly helpful as well. And David, as a staff member, yeah, it's sort of a different perspective. Have you developed any new methods to maintain well-being during this period? Yeah, I think actually for sort of staff and students, the, you know, sort of some of the methods that Neil said actually relates to staff as well. So Teams has been a a great one to, to try and Skype as well in terms of you know being able to actually virtually see people or virtually hear people multiple times to discuss very different projects and sort of ways forwards that means that whilst we not might not be physically at the university we can still make project progress for when the university reopens again and the campuses and everyone is able to come back that the projects are still going to be kind of there and we can hit the ground running because we've done this progress um sort of virtually now and and yeah i think it's just a case of sort of keeping up that communication being aware that other staff have obviously got priority areas in terms of trying to make sure that things are still sort of functioning as, as well as they can be and yeah realizing that sort of each individual member is involved in making sure that staff and students can get the most out of this sort of virtual working and, and learning. Thanks guys. So um, while this period is obviously full of upsetting news and uncertainty, it can be um, 
quite difficult to sort of look at some of the things that we've taken enjoyment in during our lockdown. Neil, first, have you got any things that you've taken enjoyment in during the lockdown? Just a bit of positive news. Yeah, well, um, you know, catching up and sleep has been a really big one for me. You know, during the during my regular routine, I hardly sleep. I'm just out and about most of the day. So just being home has given me the opportunity to get the rest that I need. And that's been that's been really enjoyable. <laughs> and then also, um, you know, just Netflix watch partying with some people, you know, catching up on the old shows. All of that's been really, um, really fun. Great. And the same question to you, David. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely sort of better routine, but a bit more sleep. Um, I can say that sort of one positive is that um, because I live in uh, Chelmsford, so my daily commute was sort of an hour and a half. Now it is 1.5 steps pretty much from 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 my bedroom to my workplace, um, which does, you know, sort of reduce some of the stress of getting to work. And that means that, you know, you sort of up and running, ready, set up, raring to go, you know, straight away. Um, and and yeah, it's, you know, kind of appreciating the, you know, sort of going outside for the one dose of exercise, walking, you know, again, some, some fresh air as well, and just kind of mixing things up. So I, you know, with my laptop and things, that's usually what I used to spend my spare time on. So I did used to game on my laptop and things, but now that I'm working, you know, for a full day on my laptop, I now realise, and actually, I don't just want to sit at my computer screen for any longer. I want to get up and do things and and read and and paint and try new activities as well. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people have discovered a lot of new hobbies in this time. If you guys, yeah, just as our final question, if you guys had um, a single recommendation to our listeners, who hopefully are staff and students on the University of Greenwich how they can have positive environmental impact while in lockdown. Uh, what recommendation would you make? I'll start with you, David. I would probably stick to, so from what uh, Neil said earlier in terms of sort of food waste, um, it's a case of, for recycling, it's a case of being sure that you are segregating waste correctly, making sure that you are checking sort of any leaflets that you have, checking on the website, asking, you know sort of sending emails to to your council because they'll still be working remotely as well um making yeah making sure that you are segregating as much as possible so you're avoiding contamination and you're yeah maximizing the potential and same to you Neil yeah well um I think that if we follow the the guidance on you know of, um, protecting ourselves from COVID-19 just staying home and self-isolating can be a way that we can uh, reduce our environmental footprint during this time because it means that we don't need as many face masks when we, if we go out and we can use less hand sanitizers because we can stay home and wash our hands also you know using hand towels to dry your hands while you're at home would probably you know if, if you're going to be washing your hands quite often that'll probably save some uh, waste and like David went over it again, just food waste, making sure that you use things before their expiry date and that you're really just planning out the, the food you're going to eat. Also, I think, you know, having refillable hand soap bottles could be another a small but good way of um, re- reducing your waste while, during during the lockdown. And yeah, that's, that's why. OK, well, that's all the questions I have for today. Um, Thank you guys so much. Thank you, David. And thank you, Neil, for sort of joining me on this and sharing some really interesting points that um, listeners are sure can follow up on.
So the University of Greenwich Sustainability website is www.gre.ac.uk forward slash sustain. And there'll be plenty of other information about what the sustainability team does and um, any initiatives that are happening at the moment. Yeah, thank you guys for listening and hope to hear from you guys soon.